Hi, wherever you're listening to me, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakli and this is today's Tech Briefing. In this program, you aggregate more talent around things that actually do work and then solve interesting higher order problems around that, which is what I think is happening in the blockchain ecosystem where the earliest innovations were not as efficient. Now we have L2s that are far more efficient. That's after these headlines. India may ban private cryptocurrencies and launch a central bank digital currency, according to a parliament bulletin released yesterday. The Cryptocurrency and Regulation of Official Digital Currency Bill 2021 is among the proposed laws that will be taken up when the parliament meets for its winter session starting November 29th. According to the bulletin, the bill seeks to create a facilitative framework for creation of the official digital currency to be issued by the Reserve Bank of India. The bill also seeks to prohibit all private cryptocurrencies in India. However, it allows for certain exceptions to promote the underlying technology of cryptocurrency and its uses. Apple has filed a lawsuit against NSO Group and its parent company to hold it accountable for the surveillance and targeting of Apple users the iPhone maker said in a press release yesterday. The complaint provides new information on how NSO Group infected victims' devices with its Pegasus spyware. To prevent further abuse and harm to its users, Apple is also seeking a permanent injunction to ban NSO Group from using any Apple software, services or devices. NSO Group creates sophisticated, state-sponsored surveillance technology that allows its highly targeted spyware to surveil its victims. These attacks are only aimed at a very small number of users and they impact people across multiple platforms, including iOS and Android. Researchers and journalists have publicly documented a history of the spyware being abused to target journalists, activists, dissidents, academics and government officials, Apple said in its press release. Since time, one of China's biggest AI solution providers is a step closer to its initial public offering, according to TechCrunch, which cites a Bloomberg report that is behind a paywall. Since time has received regulatory approval to list on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Founded in 2014, Sense Time was Christian as one of China's four AI dragons, alongside Megui, Cloudwalk and Yi2. Cameras equipped with their software are used for surveillance by governments and businesses, according to TechCrunch. Atom Bank, an online bank in the UK, has introduced a four-day work week for its 430 staff without cutting their pay, BBC reports. Employees now work 34 hours over four days and get Monday or Friday off, when previously they clocked 37.5 hours across the whole week. The move was inspired by the COVID pandemic and would help improve well-being and retain staff, according to the report. However, employees will have to work longer hours on the days that they are in. India has a nascent but growing cryptocurrency and blockchain sector, with at least two startups already crowned unicorns on the back of strong venture capital investor interest. In today's interview, Hemant Mohapatra, a partner at Lightspeed, which is among the VC firms that have backed the crypto sector for several years now, discusses his new comprehensive report on the prospects of crypto startups in India and Southeast Asia. Here's more. 
Hemant, uh, welcome to this podcast and uh, thank you for making time for this. Uh, just to get started, uh, perhaps you could give us a snapshot of the world of uh, crypto today. You've talked in your new report as well about the many ways in which it has uh, evolved. Maybe you could tell us about the different ways it has uh, evolved and we'll go from there. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to be here, Hari. Thank you for having me. I'm Hemant, one of the partners at Lightspeed India. Lightspeed, as you probably already know, is a is a uh, global investor with offices in US, India, China, uh, Europe, and Singapore. Um, as an investor, we have been fairly active in the crypto space since 2013 with our first investment in LedgerX and Blockchain.com. And over the last seven years, we have made about 50-odd investments directly or indirectly uh, in companies that are ranging all categories of crypto, including L1s and L2s. exchanges brokerages market makers nft uh, ecosystem defi and and many others in terms of the way we look at the global crypto uh, ecosystem you know there have been several waves in this ecosystem so to speak the first wave obviously began with the bitcoin light paper um and in the first maybe 4 to 5 years it was a lot about just bitcoin and, and bitcoin alone a lot of the innovation that happened in the blockchain space was limited to the bitcoin blockchain um in about 20 i think 4 years fast forward 2015 2016 onwards till maybe 2018 or 2019 you also had you know the second wave coming in where a much more um, evolved ecosystem across cryptocurrencies came about uh this is also the time when ethereum picked up uh, pace um and because of ethereum being a programmable blockchain a lot of interesting use cases began cropping up on top of ethereum as well and then 2019 to now i think there has been a pretty cambrian explosion in the crypto ecosystem as you probably know um you know besides the economic uh, upside that cryptocurrencies have gone through you know there have been three at least three peaks so far and the i think the recent peak was roughly $64000 per bitcoin all the way from uh, i think up from $10,000 just about a year back right in october 2020 uh, i think this 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 economic peak has also um uh you know followed alongside a fairly uh interesting technical uh, wave right so besides bitcoin and ethereum we are now seeing a much more evolved ecosystem crop up across defi nfts daos um you know uh uh dexes as well as sexes and then things like that right so all all of these sort of goes to say that the ecosystem has matured quietly and resolutely you know um beyond all the hype that you tend to uh, see a lot as a as a consumer or as a user hmm. uh of course uh you know folks who are familiar with uh, the tech as well as the finance aspects of it have definitely taken to it uh maybe you could give us a, a layman's explanation of the promise of crypto and then we could get into the specific case of india and southeast asia from your report so i mean the easiest way to sort of understand what's really going on in the crypto space is you know going back uh you know drawing a historical line to how uh, how economic systems used to be structured thousands of years back right uh you know can go all the way back to the ancient times where trade was the basis of on any economic exchange it began in very simple ways you know barter system is one of the oldest ways of doing trade where you uh, trade one chicken for i don't know three uh bags of rice or you know 10 goats for a cow things like that right 
and the underlying, the underpinning of those, uh, that trade was essentially trust. You know, I would trade with my neighbor, a neighbor's neighbor, you know, somewhere in the village at best, right? But beyond that, trust did not translate very well. Like you did not trust people in the next village. Uh, you did not trust people in the next city and certainly did not trust people beyond that, right? So trust has been the underpinning of any economic exchange in the past. Uh, now, as religion came about, you know, people with the same religion obviously were more trustworthy of each other. People who looked similar to each other trusted each other more and so on and so forth. Now, as we came uh, fast forward thousands of years, as offline trade expanded globally, uh, and then as, uh, as that expansion led to digitization, trust was a big problem, right? You did not trust uh, people that you did not know, but then how do you, what do you use as a root of trust when transactions are completely digital in nature where you don't know who's on the other side what happens if the thing you are ordering online is not exactly what it says it is going to be? Right? There's no way to check it, right? Um, so then centralized platforms came about that said, we are the root of trust. You trust us. Um, we will be the arbiter of the transaction. You know, you, you list your items on us and then you list your demand on us. We'll match it. We will take a bit of the cut of the transaction because we are essentially taking the risk of inventory, so to speak. And then we will make sure that the transactions are good. We make sure that the goods are of high quality. And if they're not, we pay you back, right? Uh, and that essentially became the central source of trust. Now, these sources of trust obviously are subject to corruption. Uh, you see a lot of that in centralized finance, traditional finance. Um, and they're also, you know, it's when you have a centralized source of trust, we have a centralized um, source of power, you know, that power is corruptible. Uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot of talk in the last couple of years on the power centralized uh, social media has, or platforms like Amazon have, or even platforms like Google have, where they can prioritize their search results better than anybody else, and their own products kind of show up at the top. Things like that have, you know, have been going on for, for almost a decade now, if not, if not more. And then when crypto comes about, there is finally this way to translate or transform trust to mathematics. You know, you don't have to trust an intermediary anymore. You just trust maths. You trust cryptography. You trust public-private cryptography, right? That's what has happened here. So I, Heyman, can then trade with you, Hari, without knowing who you are, without even knowing your name. Um, I trust the contract that has been written on the blockchain to do its job. And when we do a transaction, um, I feel assured that the transaction is going to happen as stated in the contract, which is also why a lot of these decentralized ecosystems are not cropping up where there's no central mediator, right? So essentially I'm trusting math, so to speak, is the simplest way to explain what's really going on with the crypto economy and how do you incentivize this to happen? You incentivize both parties on either side through uh, what you could call you know, crypto economics, right? In, for example, in DeFi, I can technically um, borrow a billion dollars for 10 seconds, execute a trade, and then you know give that uh, billion dollars back to everybody who has loaned it to me. So we are seeing use cases where a thousand people, let's say a thousand dollars each, are putting it up into a liquidity pool. You know that adds up to a million dollars, and somebody on the other side 
can borrow that million dollars, execute a trade against that, and then give it back to everybody who provided the liquidity with the interest rate. These things in a, in a, in a, in a traditional world would require thousands of hours of paperwork, you know, because there are so many people involved. Uh, it will not be quick and immediate. It will be very costly. Uh, there will be collateral required. There will be uh, there will be uh, there will be no way to reconcile you know all these accounts all at the same time quickly enough. So these challenges have always been there in the traditional finance world, but in decentralized finance, these things because you trust underlying mathematics of it are much easier to scale. Now it doesn't mean that everything is figured out. Uh, we still have a bunch of issues with the entire ecosystem. You know, trust and say fraud being one of the one of the primary one. But these are things that I think any new ecosystem tends to have, and that and that's where a lot of the effort now is being focused on. Mm. And you have just uh, released a comprehensive report on the prospects of the rising crypto sector in India and Southeast Asia. Uh, tell us about what are some of the most important points uh, in your report that you're making. Yeah, I mean, so this report, uh, for those that don't know, um, Lightspeed, as I mentioned, has been a fairly comprehensive and sophisticated investor in the crypto ecosystem. And uh, we, since we have been, you know, making a lot of investments globally, we are bringing the knowledge back to the Indian and Southeast Asian ecosystem now. We have made investments across all categories of crypto. So this report basically talks a bit about what our point of view on many of these primary categories are. Uh, you know, the categories being centralized finance, which is where a lot of these coin-based like exchanges, global exchanges are pinned to like like local exchange and uh, and and brokerages are. Uh, we have a point of view on, you know, why we think a local exchange stands to gain and win against large global exchanges. And the point is primarily because we think local exchanges that are compliant with local laws have the opportunity to really pull ahead in terms of the way they innovate in product, uh, the way they work with the regulators, um, the way they, they onboard customers and clients. These are all reasons why we feel local exchanges and local brokerages can win against large global exchanges that tend to not have, often not have the licenses to operate in local markets. As an example, Binance does not have a license to operate in India, which is also why they've acquired a company called Wazirex to do the same. But they are also not legal uh, in many other countries where they don't have a local acquisition to do on-ramp of uh, from fiat local fiat currency to crypto. Um, so that's on on CFI on DeFi. We, we also talked a bit about you know the use cases being in, in DeFi being very you know uh, early, but also super interesting. Uh, we do think that DeFi ecosystem is one of, probably the one of the hottest parts of finance uh, crypto finance today. But it's 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 marred with you know complex UI UX. It's extremely complicated for even sophisticated crypto users to really understand what's really going on. And there's this whole idea of rug pull, which essentially is you know somebody uh, puts up a DeFi project, gets a lot of liquidity from DeFi users, and then just vanishes with that money, right? And it's very hard because it's decentralized finance. There is no KYC required from any party here, which is essentially the reason why these kind of you know ecosystems are fairly interesting. Uh, in terms of scale that they can eventually achieve, there is no way, there is no recourse uh, when somebody runs away with this, with this money, right? So there are complicated issues around um, fraud, complicated issues around UI, UX. Uh, there's obviously issues around regulation and DeFi that I think some company will have to solve over time. And then when it does, the ecosystem will truly take off in a very meaningful way. So that's on DeFi. And then, of course, we have a point of view on NFTs. 
I personally am an infrastructure software guy. So I used to do Google Cloud for five and five and a half years in product management teams. So I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm much more uh, like I have a much more affinity, stronger affinity to uh, infrastructure related projects. So I'm fairly bullish on India specifically, given the blockchain talent that we have in really innovating on, on blockchain infrastructure, which is to say that, you know, the L1, uh, the, the, more, the lowest layer of the, the blockchain, which are called layer one blockchains like Ethereum uh, or Bitcoin or, um, you know, Terra and so on. I do think that India has an opportunity to really build a world-class L1. On the L2, which is a layer above L1s, you know, we're already seeing large uh, players like uh, Polygon slash Matic take over, uh, you know, the, the, the pre-existing players in the L2 space. So we, we do think there is a lot of innovation that remains, but India is already leading that. Uh, we also uh, are looking at a bunch of infrastructure tools, you know, what you could call as picks and, uh, picks and shovel tools that has to do with NFT tooling, uh, DAO tooling, and many other parts of the blockchain infrastructure space, right? So um, we have we have a point of view on on, on those areas as well. And, you know, and, and finally, um, you know, NFT gaming, right? It's a, it's a pretty interesting use case. We are seeing things like Axie Infinity, which is a play to earn game where you get paid to play that game, uh, oddly enough. Uh, you know, we have seen that ecosystem really take off in the last six to eight months. And given given the given the the gig economy, you know, um, that, that we have in parts of India as well as Southeast Asia, we feel like the labor arbitrage uh, in these in this region can actually really uh, help in scaling these NFT games uh, that are coming up in this region quite a lot. You mentioned uh, Polygon and uh, Matic. Uh, so, I mean, in that context, uh, do you see uh, India giving rise to uh, startups that will build some of the most more fundamental technologies in blockchain and crypto in the uh, coming years? Uh, because for now, it looks like the most funded startups tend to be like uh, exchanges, you know, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so look, I mean, the exchanges are are solving one of the most important problems in crypto, which is, you know, generating liquidity and then trading on top of liquidity. I, I do think that over time, you know, liquidity will become a much more of a solved problem. So all the existing players, some of them will become really big and acquire the smaller ones, right? So it'll be hard to really differentiate on, on the liquidity side over time, which is what we see is happening already. You don't see as many exchanges and brokerages coming up now than you saw maybe you know a couple of years back or even a year ago um so that so on top of the liquidity then you can finally build interesting use cases because liquidity is one of the core challenges to try anything out right for any marketplace for any any consumer use case you need to have liquidity solved and then once these exchanges and brokerages solve for it you can build more interesting stuff on top of the liquidity that they aggregate so we are seeing, to answer your question, we are seeing some very interesting companies coming out of this market. Polygon slash Matic, which is the same company, uh, is obviously one of the one of the OGs of this ecosystem. But you know, we are seeing companies like Merkle Science that is solving for fraud on the blockchain. We are seeing companies like Router Protocol that is doing cross-chain infrastructure. We are seeing Mover Network, which is also doing a bunch of interesting cross-chain L2 to L2 data as well as asset transfer. Uh, we are seeing Arcana, we are seeing EPNS, so lots of interesting companies coming out of here that are actually, you know, building globally relevant um, infrastructure that is being used by global 
projects anywhere in the world to ecosystem mm. uh, india is yet to decide as you know on the rules of the game in the country uh, for the crypto sector uh, although even the government seems to be more on board in terms of uh, the applications of blockchain per se uh, and more recently as you know there have been reports about uh, government departments in the reserve bank of india having different views uh, with rbi still favoring uh, a much more tighter regime at the least uh, what signs are you all seeing that there might be some kind of a regulatory clarity and the sector won't be banned in india yeah so we have, we have i mean like most founders and and investors in this space we do keep in touch closely with the regulators uh, across rbi sebi and the cabinet um we are seeing that i mean look I mean, the, 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 this cabinet especially is is very favorable and digital first and and innovation first which is very heartening to see it is not normal or usual uh, to see that and as you can tell a lot of other countries in the world are not as friendly as let's say india is um we don't expect a a ban but we absolutely accept uh, expect as well as welcome some sort of a clear regulation right i think unclear regulation is much worse than than no regulation um Uh, or a ban because i feel like a lot of the innovation is just waiting on the offing but not really you know taking off because people just don't know what what the regulation would look like so i think it's really important to provide however strict they may be provide clear regulation on how different parts of this ecosystem could then innovate under as an example we don't really know how crypto will be taxed will be taxed on capital gains or something else we don't really know whether brokerages and mark and exchanges could work under the same license they have not been allowed to do so in the traditional finance world but in the crypto finance most brokerages and exchanges are not different companies coinbase is an, as an example has a brokerage business and is also an exchange um right so so that's another example we don't know whether kyc how how would regulation allow uh, um things like kyc um and what rules around kyc would there be what kind of audit logs would every single you know exchange or brokerage have to maintain uh to ensure the government gets what it needs in terms of cross border transfers of cryptocurrencies right uh we don't know whether there will be limits to cross border transfers to begin with uh and so on so these are the things that i think everybody's asking very fundamental questions about what we can or cannot do and as long as they are aware that we can't do x or y it's easier to really navigate and build your business around those guardrails but not having any guardrail you always second guessing yourself and that really is not ideal for the ecosystem especially as young and vibrant as as cryptocurrencies and blockchain hmm. just to stay a little longer on the uh, regulation need for regulation and the concerns around the crypto i mean the concerns range from everything like uh, how it funds tra- terrorism to how crypto mining is simply just bad for the planet uh, uh what are you seeing i mean as a tech focused vc company you would be very plugged into uh, the latest tech and research even in silicon valley and the best universities so what kind of solutions are people uh, thinking about in terms of addressing some of these concerns especially on the climate change part yeah so on the climate change it's a legitimate concern i mean there are both sides to the argument um but you know if you just look at the the new innovation that is happening around proof of stake you know it's it's much more mm-hmm. friendly towards towards climate um and takes a lot less energy so i do expect that you know um sensors will prevail and then yeah even even though you could argue because we do hear this argument that it is not as bad as x or y 
But okay, I mean, sure, sure, it's not as bad as burning coal, but if it is bad, it's bad, right? So I do feel that there's, there's a lot of effort being put into um, making the blockchain ecosystem a lot more efficient. Look, this is how innovation is. It works, it's messy in the beginning, and then it provides optimization layers on top. If you try to optimize too early, innovation doesn't really happen. You can't control uh, and optimize. Uh, so you, you, can't, you can't innovate and optimize at the same time. I think innovation is messy, it's inefficient, uh, a lot of experiments will fail, some will work, and then you aggregate more, more knowledge, you aggregate more talent around things that actually do work, and then solve interesting higher order problems around that, And which is what I think is happening in the blockchain ecosystem where the earliest innovations were not as efficient. Now we have L2s that are far more efficient. Even L1s like Solana are thousands of times more efficient than you know, other L1s like, like the Bitcoin um, blockchain or even Ethereum, right? So that's what we expect to have happen over time. Efficiencies will be built and there will be efficiencies around um, you know, transferring coins from one chain to the other, like the cross-chain like cross solution we are seeing. There'll be efficiencies around you know, eco-friendly, climate-friendly uh, solutions. There'll be efficiencies around cost and so on and so forth. And that's, and that's what we are seeing right now. Mm. Uh, if you throw the story forward and do a bit of crisp, informed, uh, you know, crisp, crystal ball gazing, I guess, uh, uh, give us a glimpse into what a global blockchain-based economy uh, might, and, and a very digital economy might look like, and and also because of its interplay with uh, things like uh, Web 3.0 and which technologies say could become what the internet was originally intended to be, meaning truly decentralized source of information and transactions. And of course, now things like metaverse uh, are becoming popular. Uh, so, th and, and then there is the whole AI and quantum computing. And so I'm just thinking aloud, what might the interplay of all these different things uh, throw up in terms of a, a digital economy of the future? Yeah, this is a tough question, right? Because in, we're not in the business of crystal casing. We are in the business of recognizing what is possible today and then investing behind that. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to go too far ahead uh, building castles in the air. But look, I think, look, I've been through several innovation cycles, right? In the 90s and late 90s and 2000s, my, my undergrad thesis was in AI and, and what used to be called uh, um, machine learning back then. Um, but it was called neural uh, neural computing, right? So neural networks, so to speak. And then it looked like, you know, yeah, the time of AI was then, but then, you know, you, you look at now what happened 10, 15 years after that, now people are talking about AI in a very different way. So I think these innovations do tend to feel like, you know, hey, it'll solve everything all at the same time, but it doesn't happen like that. You know, you can also see what's happening in the self-driving car ecosystem. You know, there has been a lot of talk about self-driving cars, but if you go back in the 80s, there were self-driving algorithms operating in the real world. Like there's a people driving, trying out how to drive a truck on a highway using self-driving technology, even in the 1980s or late or early 90s, right? So things have been around. It just feels like people forget about how much innovation has happened in the past and how quickly change really happens. Um, I think in, in crypto as well, I think it, it'll, be, it'll behoove us to remember that this is not going to solve all the problems that is plaguing the central uh, you know, internet, right? It's not going to solve all of it. It's going to solve some of it. It'll take time. It'll take a lot of patience. A lot of the stuff that we are seeing now will not work out. I would say a majority of the things we are seeing now across NFTs, L1s, L2s, 
uh, you know, DeFi, it will just die. It will just not work. And that's okay. This is what an early ecosystem needs to look like. It has to be heavy in experiment. We'll have to be fearless about trying new things out. And as investors, we have to be fearless about investing in some of those that seem to not make any sense because that's where a lot of the interesting stuff does come out. Um, so what would the future look like? I think it will look like a mixture of centralized as well as decentralized. Uh, there will be power struggles across the two ecosystems. There will be interesting, almost, you could say, societal level uh, stresses you would see these ecosystems bring about as an example. This whole thing about DAO that we are seeing now, um, just how many DAOs can any individual participate in, you know, in the real true way, right? How many things can you really champion uh, beyond a point? You know, it's so that, that that's a question that I think will put a put a um, you know, it'll, it'll stress out, it'll stress the, the how society is organized and how people are organized and what their real priorities are. It'll stress that belief, things around. Uh, Coins. There are so many altcoins. Just how many coins can a single person manage, right? Uh, a monitor. I mean, beyond a point, it becomes untenable, right? So things like that, you're gonna have to figure out exactly how these things will evolve over time, and then see what really sticks. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Uh, excellent. Very interesting conversation, Hemant. Uh, thank you again so much for making time for this, and I definitely hope to keep the conversation going. Thank you, Hari, for having me. That was Hemant Mohapatra. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Thank you for listening.